This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Any good stories from the road? Pipe up. I wish we'd gotten seen a little bit more out of our punter. I'm starting to puke. It makes my stomach hurt. Yeah. I thought he was going to die. I'm starting to throw up in my mouth a little bit. He's on the probiotics. Is Georgia playing the 1985 Bears this weekend or what? A lot of Todd, Todd, Todd talk. Rat poison proof. They're mon geese. We will not be hunted at the University of Georgia. I can promise you that. The hunting that we do will be done from us going the other direction. All right, welcome into the Georgia Show. Georgia beats Auburn 42-10. to Jake Rowe joining me live from Sanford Stadium. Jake, fairly or unfairly, the story of the game, at least in my buddy's text mentions right now, is what's going on with Stetson Bennett throwing the football? Georgia dominated the Tigers on the ground with six rushing touchdowns, uh, almost 300 yards on the ground, but Stetson off to a shaky start, and people are wondering, man, he hasn't thrown a touchdown in a few games now. Can Georgia compete when it needs to in some of these shootouts and some of the scoreboard watching? You look at Tennessee, what they did against LSU. Everyone starts to peak down the schedule a little bit. Yeah, there's Vandy. Yeah, there's the bye week. But what happens when Georgia needs Stetson to deliver in a game? Slow starts like this are going to get Georgia beat if they, if they keep up. And the crazy thing is, Wes, my biggest complaint from Georgia for the thir- through the first three games or at least, you know, the first couple of games, first couple of struggle games, games where they looked great against Sanford and Kent State, they played like crap in the fourth quarter. They, they got off to good starts in those games, but they played like crap in the second half. To, I mean, the last two games, Georgia has played so much better in the second half, and they played so poorly in the first half. It's like they can't really put those four full quarters together. And, um, you know, uh, Stetson, Stetson, I, I just don't – Wes, I don't know what we saw for two quarters in a series – uh, there before Georgia decided to kind of run an offense because we saw a lot of run-run pass, uh, a lot of uh, very conservative stuff. And when they got aggressive, they kind of had their way with Auburn. Yeah, you know, a lot of the schematic things I'm not an expert in. I don't know how to break down coverages and, and all, all these schematic things that Todd Munkin is doing right now. But for a while there, you nailed it. It seemed so predictable, so like, let's just – bang our heads against the wall here and, and try to do everything so close to the line of scrimmage. It's almost like if Stetson Bennett was ever going to get into a rhythm, how do you expect expect him to do it when everything's a, a toss or a screen? And then by the time he had, you know, Brock Bowers was a notable miss streaking down past Auburn secondary. Lad McConkey was one where Lad maybe would have caught the ball if he stayed on his feet instead of diving for it. But a lot of this stuff that wasn't answered against Mizzou can Georgia find a downfield passing threat? Georgia still found a way to beat Auburn. Auburn just grossly overmatched in this one, and, and they were waving the white flag in the third quarter this afternoon. But some of those questions still remain. But, Jake, the, the big story, the positive, the great headline for this one for Georgia offensively is obviously that run game. Six touchdowns on the ground, first time – Georgia's done that since they did it to UMass. Now they're doing it against SEC competition, albeit SEC competition that is uh, 
sorely, sorely hurting right now in Auburn. But what a day from Kenny McIntosh, Dejon Edwards, and Branson Robinson. And that O-line who really needed to answer some questions after Missouri. Yeah, this is um, – so this is something I was thinking about during the game. If, if you were able to watch that Penn State-Auburn game, Penn State did the same thing to Auburn. Kind of Auburn kind of hung around a little bit, uh, and then Penn State just kind of was able to wear them out and, and kind of take it to them in the fourth quarter. Georgia did the same thing today, uh, you know, starting kind of midway through the third quarter. Uh, Stetson did ended up end up getting into a rhythm. I thought that he made some really good throws, some really good decisions. I mean, looked fast as all get out on a 64-yard touchdown run. Uh, but but once Georgia started to kind of, all right, listen, we're going to attack this defense. We're not going to try to just get the ball to our athletes and out-athlete them. We're going to attack them schematically with, with, you know, holes in the coverage. I think you saw Stetson, like you said, get into a rhythm. Um, he made some good throws. You look at – so he fumbles – Auburn yep. gets three points. Georgia holding them to a field goal was a big momentum grab. That they was come huge. out the they come out to the on the next drive. They run a play action bootleg. Darnell Washington, sixteen yards. Darnell Washington had a good day as a receiver, a terrible day as a blocker. Uh, Thirty mm-hmm. yards worth of penalties for that dude today. Uh, and then he comes back. He layers a ball over the second level of Auburn's defense. Finds Lab McConkey for what I think was a twenty-one or twenty-four yard gain. Georgia's off and running. He hits another pass on that drive. Uh, Georgia scores 21 to three, makes a few good passes, 28 three, makes a few more up 38, uh, 35 to three. And then again, I mean, he actually completed a third down, a big third down to Oscar Delp there on that, uh, on that final touchdown drive where Georgia goes up 42 to three uh, or 42 to 10 at that point. Um, Georgia played an incredible game in the second half on really both sides of the ball, save, you know, that shot attack on, yeah. Yeah, on, on, on Hunter's, uh, Hunter's touchdown. But, um, I just don't know what we saw there in the first half. And, and you know, I, I, I'm interested to hear Kirby Smart's comments because, I'm, you know, I, I, again, I surmise, you know, I, where I, I kind of, you know, uh, uh, pontificated there in the first half that, that uh, Stetson may be hurt just because of some of the way those series were called. I mean, they had one series where I think it was four-minute drive where, you know, where you'd have thought Georgia would have went into a four-minute offense. They just ran the ball three times and punted. Uh, they started the second half with run, run, pass, and then something clicked after that. I don't know if they just got angry or if that, you know, that defense got got them some momentum, but they just kind of took over the ball game at that point, and that's what you want to see. I mean, I would have never thought after that first half of play you would have saw a 500-yard total yardage performance, and that's what Georgia got. Yeah, they're somehow finding a way to sneak those in there. Case Malarin says it's a non-story that Stetson didn't throw a touchdown today. Yeah, the dogs missed some opportunities, but finally saw a normal offense in the second half. Made a lot of the 10 to 20-yard throws like you just mentioned, Jake. And uh, Uncle Glenn Hartley changing his name there. Uh, part of our Dogs HQ family here saying, keep winning, keep getting better. That's all you can do. The dogs are 6-0. and Got what looks like a feisty Vandy team coming to Athens. They gave Ole Miss a test there for a few quarters. Uh, but, Jake, uh, you talk about the running game. You talk about – uh, Georgia on offense finding ways to come to life and not putting everything together in one game. If Georgia can put its passing game from start to finish and this run game that we saw today from start to finish, it's going to be unstoppable. Do you feel like it's just a hallmark of a young team or a, you know, look at the O-line, maybe they're finding uh, ways finally to gel after that Missouri struggle that we saw in Columbia? Do you think they're just trying to figure out how to put all these pieces together right now? And, and do you think that they can do it? 
Yeah, I mean, first of all, let's talk about the O-line for just a second. Um, I beat on them after last game, um, came back and, and maybe, you know, took back a few of those punches that, that I threw, uh, at, you know, in, in my writing after that Missouri game uh, because, you know, Missouri did some things, you know, numbers-wise in the run game in the first half. Uh, but the offensive line played incredible. Even on that Stetson Bennett sack where he fumbled, Stetson had time to get rid of the football. He's trying to do too much. They did an incredible job today. Uh, they deserve a pat on the back for that. Wes, uh, whether you want to call it young or inexperienced or lacking in leadership or even injuries, right? Because we still, I mean. I don't think Georgia still, fans want to go there after yeah, we, the we, national championship. We, yeah, right. Yeah, but we still don't know kind of. You know, Georgia came into the season pretty thin at receiver anyway. And, you know, that A.D. Mitchell's been out for a while. I think, you know, there's there's this whole theory that maybe you get a little bit easier to defend the more teams see you adjust to not having a guy. Um, A.D. was back on the field a little bit today, and that's a good sign. Uh, but but I, I just – I think it's – I think there's a lot of different factors here. But it all boils down to one thing, and that's Georgia has not put together four full quarters – um, in basically four of its last five games. It did against Oregon. It, it did against South Carolina. It didn't against Sanford, Kent State, Missouri, or uh, Auburn. And, uh, you know, I will say this, though. Um, what a luxury it is to ha- be able to say that about your team and be 6-0 and at the halfway point in the season. Yeah. Yeah, you can't underestimate that. You can't underrate that. Uh, Alan Frazier says, go dogs from Plano. And Allen also says Branson Robinson is the next one. Go dogs. He certainly looked like he was hitting his proverbial stride today. And I think out of fall camp, we were hearing that Andrew Paul, before he got injured, was actually the more impressive freshman from some yeah. of the reports we were getting. You know, bummer, he goes down with an injury. But now Branson Robinson really has no choice but to be the guy with Kendall Milton dealing with injuries and Dejon uh, now kind of being that counterpunch to Kenny McIntosh in the backfield. One thing that we were getting questions about while the game was still kind of hanging in the balance was about Georgia's rotation at running back, how strange it is. I don't know if you want to call it strange, but it's remarkable, notable, that Georgia doesn't really let guys get lathered up. They let them pick up a big gain, and then they'll put in Dejon. And then after Dejon has a big carry, uh, Robinson might go in, and then Kenny goes in after that. What do you make of that, Jake? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. They've done it for years now, and I, you know, I'm not a big fan of it. I'll be the first to tell you. I, I just, uh, I think that they're a little too trigger happy when it comes to that, and I understand that that they're trying to keep a guy fresh, but I also think uh, there's, they've got the data. Okay, I will say that they've got the data on. Okay, Kenny McIntosh, you know, how does he look after you know three touches in five, you know, in five plays or. How does so-and-so look at this? And, and maybe the, their data supports that. I just, to me, it's just kind of hard watching a guy rip off a 20-yard run and come directly out of the game. Um, right. and, and you see it a lot. I'm not a huge fan of it. Uh, but they've done it for years, and it's not something new. I don't think there's any 
you know, recent methods of the madness. I, I think it's just, you know, the, the same method, the same madness that we've seen uh, for a little while now. And, um, you know, you, you didn't see it as much when they had a DeAndre Swift or a, uh, or a Nick Chubb or Sony Michelle. You'd see those guys kind of get drives or at least get half drives. Uh, but, but I was really impressed with what I saw after Branson Robinson. The dude came up six feet short of a 100-yard game. Yeah, that was that was really impressive, man. It's it's whatever the thought process is, you can't argue with it when you see numbers like that. Uh, Robinson, twelve carries, ninety eight yards and a touchdown. Dejon, twelve carries, eighty three yards, three touchdowns. Very physical running today out of the running backs, and I just want to highlight them for another minute here because they've almost flown under the radar this season, which is really saying something for a school that calls itself RBU for a team that calls itself RBU. But whether it's a game plan thing, a decision there, we spoke about how a lot of Georgia's yards that came through the passing game with some of those pop passes they considered to be rushing yards. But whatever the case is, it was refreshing today to see Georgia's running backs actually dominate today and do it in kind of an old man football kind of style. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, you saw – The offensive line, you know, Palmer mentioned this at halftime, and it didn't really click with me before that. Um, The way – you especially saw this in the first half, the way Georgia's running backs would kind of keep their feet at the end of runs. And here here came the offensive line, covering down, uh, pushing the pile, uh, turning turning a 12-yard gain into a 19-yard gain. I mean, that was something that that I have no doubt in my mind uh, really wore – down the Auburn defense and really kind of, you know, took their will a little bit. Uh, and, and obviously, you know, I mean, we hadn't got into the defense yet, but, uh, you know, some comments made this week that some guys uh, probably fired the whole team up, not right. just the defense. Yeah, Nicholas Swain says if Georgia runs the second half, uh, like the second half today for the rest of the season, the pass game we have will get us by. I don't know about that. I mean, theoretically, if you did do that against every team you played, that might work, but I don't know if you're going to be able to run it with this much success against everybody on your schedule. Andy Stowe says Branson looks like he could be a difference maker, runs really dang hard, might be time to get him 15 touches a game. Um, and Case observed some of the dominance was a scheme change, gap plays off tackle and in the B-gaps. I did hear a lot more of some of those edge perimeter blockers having their names called in the second half as well. But, yeah, let's talk about old uh, Auburn center Brandon Council and his – proclamation that Auburn could demolish Georgia's defensive front other than the uh, three points they gave up after Stetson's fumble and that bust on the explosive play when the game was definitely out of reach for Auburn they had 10 penalties today Jake for 60 yards and Georgia's crowd today you texted us about the traffic coming into Athens how it was the craziest you'd seen in years I think Georgia's fan base I wasn't in the stadium I didn't hear it, but I think that they had a hand in this one for sure in uh, causing Auburn to play football that they're they're not used to playing so far this season. They were uncomfortable their first time on the road. I don't know how you do that, go five games into a season without a road game, but they made Robbie Ashford feel uncomfortable, and that O-line was struggling all game with some of their uh, snap counts. Yeah, and I have to give the crowd a lot of credit because they did stay in the game when it wasn't an exciting football game for the first, you know, 32, 33 minutes. I mean, Georgia didn't give them a ton to get super fired up about. The defense did, I guess, but 
Um, Georgia just whipped them up front. And, and I, I don't know if it had as much to do as the game went on because it wasn't – the penalties weren't there right to begin with because of the crowd noise. So, so that – I don't know if Georgia just kind of kind of whipped them so good that, that maybe they were trying to get a head start on some stuff. I'm sure the crowd had something to do with it. I'm sure it was all of those things. But uh, Georgia got after them up front. And really, Auburn – the only run game Auburn had to speak of was, you know, Robbie Ashford. Um, doing what he did because he had nine carries for 52 yards. Uh, most of that was on scramble type plays. Um, if you take if you take Robbie Ashford's scrambling out of the play where Auburn wasn't trying to run block, they had 16 carries for 41 yards and uh, still just had you know 3.7 yards of carry overall. And like I said, Ashford had most of, most of that. He had a, a good chunk of it on sure. that you know prayer drive they had right before halftime. So. George did an incredible job, and they kept that kid um, completely off balance. I mean, he he made a couple of throws. Just I was like, man, that was a really good throw. While you're basically backpedaling, uh, but they were in his face all day. He was very frustrated. I mean, you could see his body language on the TV broadcast. When you go back and watch it, you'll see how frustrated he was on Auburn's sideline. Obviously, after that unforced fumble where he just dropped it, uh, and Georgia's right there to fall on the ball. He was frustrated by that. Um, but you can't just go into your season, not go on the road, have your first SEC start, put the ball in the turf like that, and expect to come out a winner and, and expect to come out composed. I mean, if Georgia had a jersey in his peripheral vision, he was throwing it away to yeah. either Auburn's bench or Georgia's bench. And again, you're not going to be able to rattle every quarterback like that when you play in the season, but all Georgia can do is play who's on their schedule today and this Auburn team, Jake, we'll get into it more when we talk about it uh, tomorrow night with Palmer with our final thoughts, uh, as we do every Sunday here on the Dogs HQ YouTube channel. Hit subscribe and help us grow this follower base. But it's just remarkable to see Auburn's program take the turns that it has. And I, I'm, I'm at a loss at, in this rivalry seeing how Georgia is thoroughly – dominating the Tigers it's uh it's wild to see after growing up watching this be a pretty contested series in years past that's uh 15 out of the last 18 I believe it is and six in a row uh in, in the rivalry which is which is pretty nuts um Auburn still hasn't beaten Georgia inside Sanford Stadium since 2005 uh that's uh I mean that's that's just a long time to do that and they still haven't scored uh, more than one touchdown in a game since uh, since 2009. So it's uh, Georgia. Georgia dominated the game defensively. That was the game reminded me West a lot of the Florida game last year. Um, you know, minus you know Georgia's defense creating That's a good point. Yeah, uh, some some touchdowns there because Georgia just really didn't have any offensive answers early in that game. I think they had three, uh, and then you know special teams was what set Georgia up for a couple of scores there in the first half, and then all of a sudden it kind of comes alive and and really beats the daylights out of Auburn there in the second half. But, uh, you know, it, we're seeing Georgia kind of do it in pieces at this point. We've seen a couple of complete games. We've seen um, a couple of great first halves, four second halves. We've seen a couple of poor first halves, great second halves. This team has to grow up. This team has to get healthy uh, and, and you know, keep establishing its identity. And, and we'll see where it goes. It, it's, it really is all about kind of how much better you get as the season goes on and and Georgia's corrected some issues as far as, you know, being able to execute in the second half. Uh, but now it needs to get back to starting quicker. And I think if it can put it together, 
Uh, I still feel about this team the same way I did before last week. It's still the easiest team um, I've, I've covered at Georgia to figure out. It's <laughs> on its best day. It can beat anybody playing their best ball. Um, on its worst day, it's going to struggle and it's going to look ugly. And, and the, the, the ceiling's high. The floor is low. Keep raising the floor. Yeah, I think uh, the point you made about the Florida game is important for people to remember because it's not like you look back on that 2021 season, obviously, through rose-colored glasses, they're the national champs, but there were moments where they weren't doing everything they could on offense and they still found a way to, by the end of the game, dominate on the scoreboard. Um, It's just a question of how does this team start fast and – the thing about Stetson, man, was just as soon as he started on a couple slow drives coming off of that Missouri game, you were just assuming that it was a continuation of that last one. But I almost wonder if when you go back and watch this a second time, if you don't, you know, knowing what the outcome is going to be, if you don't just see that as a hiccup and see it as its own storyline in this game instead of just tying it to Mizzou. I mean, this team is evolving as the season goes along and they're had to do it. They're having to do it with a rotating cast of characters without A.D. Mitchell in there. Um, Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington aren't surprising anyone anymore. So Todd Munkin's going to have to continue to find ways to be creative and and find more opportunities for guys. Uh, But for now, you just got to start. You got to start faster. I mean, that's going to put a lot of fans' minds at ease, I think. Right. And, again, uh, you know – I'm not, I'm not criticizing, I'm criticizing, I'm questioning. And, you know, I put a question mark beside the plan coming out. I thought the plan looked odd, looked weird. The execution of it, Stetson didn't look right. You talked about it, no rhythm. Uh, You know, they, uh, again, something that's bit them now, what, three games in a row, untimely penalties. Uh, You look at Georgia's first opportunity to score in that game, Jack Podlesny ends up missing a 47-yard field goal, but he misses that 47-yard field goal. Because on third and one, a a 15-yard penalty wiped out a first down run that would have put Georgia either in the red zone or knocking on the red zone. Let's point out one real massive positive in this game, though, Wes. Last week against against Missouri, Georgia struggled in the red zone. This week, Georgia went 6-0-6. Touchdowns each time it got in. Well, I mean, look, it's it's a chicken-and-the-egg thing because all of their touchdowns were on the ground, but – when you're trying to pass in the red zone versus when you have a dominant rushing attack, I mean, it's, it's uh, night and day. If you mm-hmm. can run the, run the ball successfully with a physical offensive line, it makes scoring in the red zone a lot easier than trying to find someone uh, in a low percentage pass. And it doesn't help when Stetson's also missed, uh, you know, Darnell yeah. Washington and Brock in games past, and Kirby brought that up this past week too. So Georgia can find a way to be dominant in the run game. It does help them in the red zone. That's a great point. Yeah, no doubt. And, and you know, some of those passes set them up for some of those, you know, lower red zone opportunities. Um, but but that was that was the big difference, was just the offensive line coming to play, getting a hat on a hat, kind of wearing out Auburn out up front. And uh, Georgia did Georgia's offensive line did the demolishing today. That's a great point, Jake, and uh, we will wrap it up on that. Please hit subscribe on Dogs HQ's YouTube channel. If you are listening to this on a replay on podcast, uh, we invite you to follow there as well. Leave us a review, a kind remark in the comments section, and join us every Sunday night 
at 8.30 as we get our final thoughts. Once the rest of the college football action from the weekend shakes out and we get a little bit more perspective, a little bit more context, we like to give this one one more look. So join us tomorrow night as well as we take another look at Georgia's 42-10 to 10 win over Auburn. Uh, Jake, thanks again as always, man. I'll talk to you soon. Have a great night. All right, buddy. Thank you. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.